0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next podcast here at TreknaBabble. This is Kevin.
1: This is Matthew.
0: And we're going to be reviewing Season 2, Episode 10, Cold Fire. Um, I'm trying to remember what I think about this episode. I haven't watched it intently in a while. I've, I've kind of you know skipped around through a Voyager rewatch every now and then, and I normally skip through this, or at least... Don't give it my undivided attention. But do you remember liking this one when it came out?
1: You know, I think I do. Uh, And I think the things that I liked about it were the sort of funky psychic powers with indications of some deeper layer to the universe. Uh, And I I seem to recall liking the guest star, um, you know, the sort of creepy Kazon guy. Not Kazon, sorry, Okampan guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know, I, I've got decently fond memories of this. I mean, it doesn't stick out like a huge one, Yeah. but I, but I'm interested in sort of thinking about Kess because she was always kind of a non-entity, but I think we're seeing that she actually could have been interesting. Uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. Um, you know, and maybe I'm coming around on, uh, Jennifer lean as far as her performance. Um, this episode, of course, features her relationship with Tuvok, um, so it's kind of a Tuvok episode, also. Yeah. All right. Well, do you want to get going?
0: Yeah, sure. I I am queued up.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we'll all get ready, and we will start our respective media together in three, two, one. Press play.
0: I remember uh, this like bit they added to the teaser nagged the hell out of me um, because do, doing this recap of the caretaker questioning, well, now, now they need to find his mate. It just tells you what the episode's about. It's, it, it's a bit yeah. too much reveal for me. Yeah, I mean, Obviously I, once I we find Ocampa, it's like, okay, clearly there's an Okampa settlement somewhere in the Delta quadrant. It's gotta be this episode, but they really just oversold it. And it's, I don't think like, Long-time fans don't need it, and new people aren't going to be helped by it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So we're getting our double mind meld here. Uh, This may be... Is this the first mind meld in Voyager? We haven't hit meld the episode with Suter yet, right? Yeah, that's going to be later this season. That's a good episode. That's very good. So, you know, we're we're getting development on Kess. I mean... She had the brief sort of thing in Time and Again, yeah. I believe it's called, yeah. where she could sense echoes of the Polaric Energy Disorder. Um, but, you know, so they're really, for the first time, going back to Cass. Um, you know, it's interesting that Tuvok is sort of in charge of helping her develop her psychic abilities. Um I think they've got decent chemistry. I think they've got pretty good uh, you know, like mentor, mentee kind of... Yeah, yeah, and,
0: and Tim Russ plays it well. And I, I was thinking about this uh, in light of the recent string of uh, Neelix is a jealous, controlling douchebag episodes we've gotten. Just personally, I've always found the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship in most – I won't say all, certainly – but most TV shows to be a little pro forma, like this expectation of, oh, well, there are people on this show, so two of them must be dating – I've always found this kind of relationship usually far more narratively satisfying than the boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. And maybe that's because as a kid, no one was portraying the relationship I wanted to be in. But teacher-student has a lot more narrative, I don't know, juice to it for me than than the sort of standard jealous boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. So I, I remember liking this aspect of it.
1: Well, you know, as far as that goes... Um... You know, I'm, Kelly and I watched New Girl, which is quite good. And if you don't watch it, you should. Uh, all of you who are listening to this. Uh, <laughs> basically, Kevin. yeah, um, Maybe Andrew. Anyhow, uh, it, it is true that most shows are much better as will-they-won't-they they dramas than they are as boyfriend-girlfriend dramas. You know, I, th- I think people just kind of get annoyed by most boyfriend girlfriend dramas uh, whether they're good or bad yeah uh, cuz if they're bad you're just like break up already and if they're good you know you're like yeah well so <laughs> um so i agree it, it's interesting that she sort of has two mentors you know because the the doctor's thing had already been established yeah. and i like that uh the doctor is kind of jealous very very well i don't know if it's jealousy or if it's uh, concern or if it's irritation you know I mean she is late yeah so we're at 340 in the teaser and uh, yeah I think you're definitely right they could have just established in a line of dialogue everything that was you know they could have started the explanation here and they say right. oh this is the remainder of the caretaker you know and she could say something like, oh, I can't believe that was the creature that preserved the Okomp and Homeworld or something and dragged you here. You know, it's like, it wouldn't have been elegant, but it would be more elegant. Than,
0: <laughs> right. Than previously. Know. Yeah. Especially because the previously was like a year and a half ago. It wasn't like next episode. They were recapping.
1: Yeah. Um, I like Kes's outfit. I think it's one of her more flattering. And,
0: and it's a better wig job than, than we've been getting. <laughs>
1: Well, her wig from season one was just wretched, uh, and so they've definitely improved that. You know, I think that may be the first time we've seen Tuvok's quarters too. I'm
0: trying to think, yeah, because I think the other time we see them is in Meld when he. Well, and they
1: seem to be going for the kind of thing they had in TOS with like interesting mystical artifacts. Yeah. Uh, you know, incense and like curtains and stuff, and it's a really interesting thing. To try, it's like the Vulcans are Stoics and and logical and you know uh, very utilitarian, but they seem to respect their cultural heritage or something. Yeah, um, which you know it's interesting. Uh, it's it's interesting that they have to use Tuvok as the psychic. You know, it's because the whole Vulcan thing was kind of. Uh, how best to put it, it kind of served the needs of a script in TOS. Yeah. And so you were never quite sure how psychic the Vulcans were. And then it, by TNG, they kind of like sort of demarcate the Betazoids as the real psychics. And, yeah. and the Vulcans just have a few powers. Uh,
0: well, I think it makes sense that even if there, even if there were a full Betazoid on the ship, uh, poor instance, Dottie, um, that Tuvok would still be the better teacher because packaged with his psychic abilities is the iron grip control on them because I think everyone might be concerned about what would happen to Kess or them if her if whatever power she had were um, not Well, Suter is properly. a full betazoid, of course, so yeah.
1: Suter could have been helping her with her psychic abilities. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder about... <laughs> actors delivering lines like that and whether they're just you know really annoyed that they're not doing shakespeare or something (laughs) i find it hard to believe that a rock came to life so i wonder if they're shaking that tray on a gimbal or something yeah or if it's got like a piece of fishing wire attached to it I wonder what kind of energy source could propagate over such a long distance
0: well, One thing I, I do like about Voyager is they um, replaced all, like every time they do a bridge shot, especially of a Harry station they replaced the uh, screens with actual video monitors so we got a much more dynamic responsive background, little stuff like that delights me.
1: Oh yeah, definitely So now this bob is the previous hairdo?
0: Yeah. I, I, I think the sweep in the front is a little different than, like, certainly season one. And the bun looks different, too. Because um, I, I think she's got to
1: bump it, or is that just I uh,
0: I don't know what they're doing. It's a lot uh, of
1: hairspray. Hexaprismatic field. <laughs> uh, <that laughs> I guess is, that's what all the, all the colors
0: are. <laughs> that is some A-class uh, babble right there.
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to hear some whoppers in Voyager. <laughs> Robert Beltran just smirks. You know, we're getting an interesting look at some of the uniforms here. There's sort of like a, a dart or something in the back, which I guess is designed to give them more movement. Whenever we see it in profile, I saw it on here and I'm seeing it on Tuvok right now. Mhm. <laughs> a lot of A-class Beltran acting here
0: uh, <laughs> I wonder if it's in the script Look to Chakotay for reaction shot
1: I gotta say I'm not a big fan of the screeching noise Yeah Ooh, Spatial resolution I always like it when uh, Harry and Bellana do stuff, mm-hmm. you know the, and this actually fits with what they've done with Harry in non-Sequitur, you know, sort of establishing his sort of engineering bona fides, you know yeah. In the other reality, he was working on warp fields and, and you know, runabout engines and stuff like that. And so I don't know, it's neat. It's neat that he's down there. I like these shots too. You know, so this bridge layout is different because, of course, there's only one sort of front position. But it lends itself to nice compositions like that. That station
0: looks really familiar. Have we seen that elsewhere or will we see it again?
1: Well, it looks a lot like the Caretaker's Array. Maybe it?
0: that's <laughs> it. Maybe it's just a stripped up oh, and they mention it. Okay, there we go. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's only one-tenth the size. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a new model for Caretaker. 2000 Ocampa. They gave that line a little too long
0: a beat and draw. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's just, no, they're Ocampa. <laughs> that makes complete sense. There, there is no reason to be shocked by that, frankly. Yeah.
1: So, why do they fire right away? Well, these are the, Definitely weapons.
0: Yeah, these are the angry Duchio combo.
1: Yeah, so this guy has been in stuff. Yeah, he's a bad we need guy. To see, He's been in practically everything, but we need to see what other Star Trek he's been in at least. Uh, Gary Graham. Oh, ah, yeah. He plays uh, Ambassador Saval in Enterprise.
0: Yes, yeah, I knew what I recognized
1: And I really like him, generally speaking.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a good actor.
1: No, apparently he was considered for the roles of both Sisko and Janeway before the respective decisions to make them the gender and ethnicity that they were, hmm. or the sex, rather. Sorry, any gender people out there who care about that term. So it's fun, you know, and actually now that I'm looking at it, you're totally right. This wig is way better. Um, It's fun that she's given this sort of role.
0: Yeah, her enthusiasm is well portrayed. I like it.
1: Well, I mean, she's been away from her people for a long time at least for her lifespan.
0: Yeah, my only problem with the Ocampan lifespan shtick is that they perceive themselves as having a short lifespan, which particularly for sheltered people who don't interact with the rest of the universe, who would consider their own lifespan short? They would just consider it normal, you know what I mean?
1: Well, I don't know. Do they really consider their lifespan short? Have they said that? I feel like they consider it normal. Everybody else considers it short. But my question is just like, how do they, I mean, it takes so long for human beings to figure stuff out. I just have a hard time believing that, you know, any other intelligent creature could do it so quickly because they seem to have, you know, very, Relatively complex sort of social interactions and, and desires and hopes And skills and stuff like yeah. How do you teach someone To be a warp Technician This guy has been in something too uh, I believe that is Norman Large Yes he was Neural in Unification I recognize his voice And his jaw, his jaw. I mean, do you see him in the background there? Yeah, yeah. What do you think of their outfits?
0: Better than what Kess was wearing at the start of the series.
1: Yeah? So there's sort of like some kind of common theme or something. Uh, Sort of like leather strip down the middle.
0: I like these scenes. She's you know, yeah, I mean I, I think Jennifer Leanne is a better actress than the script was, you know, permitting her to be certainly in the first season.
1: So one thing that's interesting about this story is that there's there are sort of darker motives, you know. It's like the Okampa had been portrayed as these sort of childlike creatures, but these Okampa are more you know, uh, varied with their motivations. Mm-hmm. So I like that.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Way more interesting.
1: And it's neat to see her being kind of pulled in by it. Yeah. this is a cold and barren place unlike our space station right i was
0: about to say you live on a space station
1: i wonder what plants they've used here and if they're real plants i got to think they're not
0: yeah it would be just what would be the point
1: well i mean even if they're it would just be hard to keep them in, in yeah. set lighting and stuff. Why do they call them years, you know? I mean, I suppose their planet has an orbital period.
0: Uh, but I know what you're saying, since they don't actually, aren't above ground and stuff, and how, how do well, you I, measure a sidereal well, year? Well,
1: what, yeah, like, what... If you didn't have those kinds of markers, what would you use? And how many would you choose? (laughs) You know, like, would you have four pieces of your lifespan? Ten? Seventy? You know, like, what would be the, the number that would make sense to people? Nearby. Is she
0: here with you now? I suppose my other problem going into this episode is the whole point of finding the female caretaker. Okay, a couple of problems. One, why is it a male and female caretaker? I find the presumed gender binary kind of odd for these, you know, rock creatures masquerading as humanoids, but that's a separate issue. The whole point in finding this creature is that she would ostensibly provide a way home, and we know that's not going to happen. So, do, do, it, does it feel like, there's, like the drama is somewhat diminished just because you know the whole point in finding this creature is the shot at a way home that you know from the beginning can't take place? Am I, do you get what I'm saying?
1: For the viewer? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's a fine line that you tread with a show with a premise like this. That being said, I, th- like- I think as the viewer you go in knowing that it's not going to happen. I guess what you want to see is why, number one, but also what sort of cost it has for the characters. And so, you know, with Kess, I think they've done a decent job of showing us that she has an alternative now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I she, think they do she she never had work an alternative to, to cover it.
0: Like, unlike, you know, our complaint with Twisted was that you had a plot that really didn't go anywhere, but didn't sort of ameliorate that with a more interesting character development. Here, I think we certainly have enough care more than enough character development to cover that plot point. I'm just, this is something I was thinking about. And I will say, I'm, I'm glad they got this story out of the way early, because had they found them in season five or six or seven, like they did with the Talaxian colony, I'm not even going to begin to explain why that yeah. annoys the hell out of me. Um it makes sense to find it now rather than later and it dispenses of one of the dangling you know like what ifs of the setup
1: you know but I, I like all this relationship work you know it's like both the captain and Tuvok are kind of trying to act as stewards for someone they view as very young and impressionable it's interesting that we haven't seen Neelix,
0: Neelix yet. yet yeah I was, about to, I was just thinking that it's a good model. Um, it's clear that they built it out of s- stuff they had laying around, and I believe the model, tr- like the trees for the model kits, that's what the satellite panels look like. But
1: uh, it's, it's a good model. I wonder if that uh, computer is Romulan or Cardassian.
0: I think Romulan. It looks like a redressed Romulan. Ah, she's a she. She's a smoky voiced woman. That's how we know she's evil. Yeah
1: he doesn't care about the girl there there, he is on his much less sterile station
0: yeah <laughs> I like that there's like a yeoman pouring wine
1: yeah <laughs> he doesn't seem to have any rank in Satan yeah, how old school <laughs> I like that Neelix is most interested in extending Kessa's lifespan
0: yeah Makes sense.
1: Nothing so corporeal. What the hell does sporocysteine mean? <laughs> it's a
0: word they invented, and I've just learned to accept it.
1: I, I, well, I want to think about it. Like, s- uh, sporo... Uh, like, I get the feeling that these rocks are sp- like spores or something.
0: Yeah. I get
1: that, but then what is cyst? I don't, I don't know. So Neelix isn't totally flipping out, but he's obviously upset, and I like that they're playing it more subtle.
0: Yes, thank God. All right, I'm gonna see if the Memory Alpha page has any uh, help on what a sporocystium life form is.
1: Well, that's the thing. It's like, if it's a spore, then that's very corporeal, you know? And so it's sporo energy. energy? Uh, I don't know. You know, something they do frequently in Star Trek is they'll introduce the guy who clearly has ulterior motives and it's kind of a question of how obviously they play it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they've done a pretty decent job of not making him obvious. Because yeah, the problem is always, like, the, the episode I'm thinking of is the, uh, what's the episode? Is it Violations with Jev? Yeah. You know, and they it was so heavy handed with the music and stuff that they were just beating us over the head with the fact that this guy, you know, it's like, he'd have a conversation and then sort of like turn to the camera and a music cue would start and he'd be like, oh, come on. And although they've done that with him privately, he's acted reasonably.
0: Right, uh, he's, he's a little like cold and off-putting, but he's not that much different as Sova. I kind of get, seeing this episode, I really get why they would have cast him as a Vulcan ambassador because he kind of has that haughty detachment thing going on.
1: Yeah, something about his voice definitely definitely fits with it.
0: I like this line here there's a line coming up uh, it was like focus on the destination not the journey it was like focus on the end result not how you get there and then it happens that was just a neat I, I just like the way they phrased it
1: I wonder if they did that with a magnet under the table
0: Yeah, there's you simply do it. I, I, given the scene we got earlier with Tuvok and the you know the regimented, focused, subdivided, emotionless stuff, I like his like. The the opposite that they constructed an opposite approach for the way he he's teaching her, which I th- which I thought was pretty effective.
1: This seems like a big leap from moving a cup to like. Altering the molecular structure, you know, to heat it up.
0: I gotta say, um, I like uh, Leanne's acting here. She's she's appropriately. And she looks excited. Yeah, looks... yeah, it, it, it's it, it's uh, compelling. I I really like it.
1: So one thing that I remember really liking was this scene and this visualization. Yeah, the way they go into the liquid. Show us the atoms. Or I guess these are molecules right now. One thing that's always uh, dangerous with close-ups like this is you can see the makeup. Yeah, you can kind of see it on Kess's face.
0: Yeah, and you can see the like the seam of the pieces on uh, on his face too. Um...
1: But I always really like this visualization. Yeah. I, like, I like the fact that they're – I mean, I don't know about the fire thing, but it's just – I like that they're they are going there with something. They've got the technology to show us something interesting like that, and they're doing it, and they're making a point with it.
0: And uh, I will say they did just enough and no more than they needed to do of the um, – staring at each other and thinking dialogue that is a that's like coma acting i mean how do you act the cadence of a dialogue that you're thinking i mean yeah yeah
1: well so they didn't go overboard yeah so i've i've really liked all these scenes ethan phillips is playing this well yeah you know it's like he's clearly grasping for ways to feel involved and to like keep himself in her mind but he's not freaking out with jealousy yeah you know? and so you you feel like he is putting it on a little bit that he's proud of her but it fits for him right you know? they finally pitched it reasonably well <laughs> thank goodness hmm <laughs>
0: Okay, here's where the episode, I don't know, I won't say falls apart, because I don't think it falls apart. I think that would be going too far. I just did not enjoy this second plot line with the uh, other caretaker entity.
1: Suspiria should respond within the next 47 hours. I don't
0: know. You know, guys, a little of that joke goes a real long way.
1: And I really like this scene a lot.
0: Oh yeah, this is this is really good.
1: That is a large step. It's nice that he's uh, you know. the wet blanket. Yeah, w- falcons are the ultimate wet blankets of the universe, basically. But I really enjoy this visualization. And it's interesting. You can. See she seems less controlled now yeah. than when she was sort of being guided. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I I gotta say, I've come to appreciate uh, Tim Russ's ability to shade his unemotional reactions, like. I won't say he's as good as Leonard Nimoy because no one's as good as Leonard Nimoy, and that's not actually a criticism. It's just an observation. But the way he said "fascinating" in the way of, "Oh my God, that's a little upsetting." Yeah, definitely. And this is really upsetting.
1: The green blood. Yeah, yeah. that's.
0: Uh... I'm reminded of the uh, latex appliances from uh, Star Trek Three when Spock was going through his like metamorphosis, like the air bladders. I wonder how they achieved that.
1: Yeah. Those didn't seem to be moving. Yeah. seemed to be just, you know, sort of like putty. Yeah. Putty buildups. Basically, he was being boiled. (laughs) I'm surprised that he could be uh, saved from 37C. Presuming they're using Celsius? Yeah, yeah. Celsius or Kelvin. Yeah. Vulcan healing techniques. (laughs) (laughs) I always wondered what these sort of like piano key graphics were in the back, but I've always liked them.
0: Aside from visually interesting, yeah.
1: Well, it, it's a neat color that they rarely use in Star Trek—the sort of amber orange. Yeah. But it, it's it also just looks good. Yeah, he's just willing to get back on the horse, you know. If this experience presents anything, is that you need further instruction. So uh, yeah, all of this cast Tuvok stuff is. Really
0: yeah, good. yeah, it's just it's an interesting interaction.
1: I like her outfit too. She's had two good outfits this episode. I don't love the stirrup pants, hm. the same color as the thing, but overall, I don't think this would get you cut on Project Runway, for instance, which is really how we judge you know, Star Trek outfits. Yeah. The Rubbermaid bins with the color-coding are interesting.
0: I think I have a couple of those bins, actually. What I really wanted I want to get those blue uh, barrels that they store stuff
1: in. Yeah. I kind of don't know why Tannis is interested in her. Yeah. Well, because Suspiria has already indicated that she's. No she has no interest. At all. Yeah.
0: Is it romantic? Is it just, uh, you know, I don't know, Ocumpen solidarity or something?
1: Or it could be some form of racist superiority. He's just described them as pets. Yeah. You know, they're limited, they don't see beyond the physical. You know, and I like this dialogue generally. You know, he's talking about how creatures sense things and how it doesn't really give you a real indication of what's there. Although, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, if you're really just sensing particles and stuff with your mind, um, are
0: you? Re- is it that different than? Well, you're still on your a hand? very physical plane. Yeah. You know?
1: And granted, you know, if if you can use your mind as a microscope or something,
0: she. I, I like the acting choices because it, it it almost seems like a narcotic the effect she's feeling, which makes him pushing her into it again feel like like he's a pusher, which 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 works dramatically. Um, who the they. They kind of overkilled the hyper-color saturation. Yeah. It's like an Oompa Loompa there for a second. Yeah. This is kind of trippy. I like the flowers being oversaturated, but him was a little weird.
1: <laughs> I don't love the effect. It's interesting that they were able to do it without also doing it to her.
0: Yeah. Ooh, on him. He. Yeah, Oompa Loompa.
1: You know, either way, ho- however the visual plays out I like the uh, The overall effect of You know, her like sucking the life out of things Yeah you know, So she's like a, a vampire or something Kind of reminds me of like Phoenix in the X-Men or something Yeah I guess no dinner for the next few weeks Well, and she says, amazing. It's all the same. Yeah, that, there are really interesting ideas going on here. I don't know that they developed them as fully but, as they right. could, but there's interesting stuff. You know, it's like if you had these powers, would you care about things the same way?
0: Yeah, I, I'm suddenly reminded of a uh, hiding Q in that way.
1: Yeah, the way she's playing it is good. You know, she's tempted. know she she's worried about this whole like you know life-sucking vampire thing but it does feel good and so it's hard to so suspiria helps them do this is it because she uses them as like minions why does she need minions
0: Yeah, I don't remember this. I don't actually remember the explanation the episode gives.
1: Place of pure thought, energy, and mind. Exotia.
0: I've always wondered about these places of pure thought, because, not to get hyper-technical, but my thoughts have a sort of necessary physical component. If you, you know, injured my brain, my thoughts would be meaningfully different, or, you know form or manifest differently. There is a actual... Well, Kevin,
1: that's a very materialist uh, standpoint, you know, and most television dramatists seem to be, um, you know, very much in the dualist frame. Right. Uh, you know, there, there is such a substance as soul and there is such a substance as body and they do interact, but you could meaningfully separate the two from each other. And so Exotia sounds like a place where just that soul substance can go and apprehend the universe differently. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that? Does that bug you?
0: A, a little. Like I, I've just, I've always wondered about the mechanics of a place that is pure thought. I mean, is it? I mean, look, like my thoughts manifest themselves physically when you know a nerve impulse jumps a synapse. If there are no, if there are no synapses to jump, what is what is what is the Thought.
1: Like. Well, and how how are the thoughts distinguished from each other? Like, are people all together in one mind? Because right now they're distinguished from each other by, like you say, you know, spatiotemporal location within a gelatinous blob inside someone's like, skull.
0: And, and I'm not saying I don't enjoy and certainly find dramatic appeal from the idea from these ideas, but there the the reliance of the idea that. Thought is this separate thing from my brain that can exist independently and that is the purest form of thought. It's just it I don't know it it's it, it's become unsatisfying through repetition.
1: <laughs> well, you know, space and time and thought are not the separate things they appear to be. I mean that's this very Roddenberry idea that was introduced at this point I uh, guess what? 7 or 8 years prior to this episode and there's that security guy I think I feel like he was the guy pouring the wine too but I, I think he's different Yeah, I'm just, the thing that I'm perplexed about is why he's so interested in her. I think they should have established it more. Maybe they will. They've still got another seven or eight minutes to go. You know, because they've done shows where there is this non-corporeal entity that, for whatever reason, wants to consume or, uh, you know, enslave or whatever. It seems like Suspiria is not interested in that. Right. And so it just, is it him? Is it, is it Tanis that wants to do this? I like the name Tanis, too. It reminds me of, uh, uh-oh, creepy blonde girl alert.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> in an ugly dress. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? And it reminded me of it at the time, and I think that's why I have a like sense memory of kind of not liking the episode reminds me of What's Her Face from Imaginary Friend.
1: Yeah. This girl is less creepy than that. At least, you know, on the surface. Yeah. Oh, maybe this episode doesn't have the thing that I was so keyed up on, which was when she sees, like, string theory... Oh
0: like yeah, it was like see beyond the subatomic. I think that's the gift. I think that's toward the end.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Interesting uh intercutting between yeah. scenes. Um I don't hate it. It's not bad. I like Neelix, you know, it's like Am I interrupting?
0: I find it kind of difficult that the all-powerful, all-knowing, non-corporeal being who has a team of telepaths at her disposal couldn't scan either Janeway's brain or the computer to figure out the dude died of natural causes.
1: This is creepy as fuck. Yeah. Like, I guess they're suspended in midair. But just the blood yeah well, it's like um,
0: it's like Star Trek 2
1: yeah well and it came right after the sort of you know creepy blonde child voice switch yeah so it uh, this definitely works for me I mean it like I'm digging the feel that they're getting like when that blood drops on her shoulder you know your stomach kind of churns a little bit. Yeah. At least it did for me. And part of it is uh, Kate Mulgrew's acting. Yeah. She acted it really well. So it, it can be difficult for people to actually feel surprised. And I wonder if they just got that in one take, because, of course, they'd have to redo her uniform.
0: Yeah. That was some good stunt work there.
1: I feel like that was one of two things: either that was an actual visual effect, where they filmed someone falling down, right? Or it was one of those wire effects where they pull someone right, right? But I think it might have been visual. So this is pretty good, like psychic battle acting, too. Yeah, like the blood is cool, and he's he's really. Like making his veins pop out of his head. It's interesting that he couldn't have fought back a little more. Yeah. Good thing they didn't land on their heads, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: I wonder what that thing is.
0: Did they establish what that was for already? Were we talking when they did
1: that? I... I don't think they did. Yeah, that dress is totally on loan from the TNG collection with the color matched booties and. I mean, maybe it's supposed to be some energy ray that they were using with the remains, you know, and so it actually has effect on Sporocystea and life forms. Yeah,
0: I'm going to double check and see if they established.
1: It's a very Janeway moment, you know. Yeah. She's, she's a very turn the other cheek sort of. Uh, this is a pretty weird effect, I have to say. And the sort of wormy thing with the tentacles, it's, uh... feels different than the other one. Maybe that's the female of the species. Yeah.
0: And that was a bit of an anticlimax. I mean,.
1: Well, so, you know, you feel like maybe they were trying to indicate that they could go back to this. You know, it it there's not a hard resolution. Yeah. I wonder why, like, if there was a meeting place, why they don't just hang around the meeting place and try to replicate what he was doing. I don't know. Right. So they're indicating that Tannis was, like, amplifying her ability yeah. or something. Which kind of raises the question for me how she could uh, fight him in the first place. Fight yeah. him like that, yeah. I never realized I had such dark impulses. Oh, Tuvok, you're such a philosopher. That's like, a very her- Heraclitian idea.
0: Like, I'm a Vulcan. Do you know what dark thoughts I'm having, like right now? Have you? Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I, I like the line: "The Vulcan heart was forged in barbarism." Well, and they go there and in, in meld. Yeah. In a, in a big way, which part of what made that episode so great is that uh, the way it was written was to indicate that. I suppose if I had to
0: nitpick the teaching scenes, mind melds seem like a pretty drastic way to do that. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, by overuse, um, the mind melds become a less dramatic thing. Because especially in TOS and even TNG, it was treated as an incredibly rare, incredibly intimate thing you would do rather than this casual thing you would use as a teaching aid. So so I suppose that's like my one nitpicky thing about those scenes. But other than that, I think they do really well.
1: Well, we're not really told that it's a straight-up mind meld. It could be some kind of like, you know, so for instance in Sarek, you had Sarek's aide who was sort of like buffering him or something, like like trying to steal him against his... uh, you know, syndrome or whatever mm. and presumably that would not be a mind meld in the way that it would be obvious to Sark that it was the case that his aid was touching his mind you know so there must be degrees uh, and so I don't think we're ever really given the indication that Tuvok could hear or experience what she was hearing or experiencing okay I'll, I'll, I see what you're saying I'll give you that I I, Uh, I think it's not necessarily explicit that it's a mind meld. It's just using the hand touching things, but we've been given indications that Vulcans seem to manifest their psychic abilities through their hands. You know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take it.
1: Um, You know, so I agree with the basic criticism that the setup and payoff. With Suspiria and the sporocystian plot, um, it's a little lacking. You know, they don't—they never really explain it. The whole sporocystian thing—they don't explain why she gives a crap about these okompans. Um You know, it, we we don't ever expect them to get a realistic shot at going home. Um, you know, so. But is that the A plot or the B plot? That's kind of the thing. Like I feel like yeah. it's kind of the B plot. I feel like the A plot is really the the Kess story. Kess, uh, exploring her abilities, being tempted to go with these people, her relationships with Tuvok and the Doctor and the Captain, uh, to a lesser extent, Neelix. Um, I don't know. I mean, how. How satisfied are you? If we're going to call that the A story and the Sporosysian thing, the B story.
0: I'm intrigued.
1: I won't say I'm
0: satisfied. I think they could have done more with a lot of things to really just go further. But I'm not, I'm not overly disappointed. I'm, I'm certainly not disappointed. I just wish they had gone a little further with the kind of philosophy and, and character
1: work. Also, maybe ten minutes of this show could have been uh, repurposed to really deliver, um, yeah, yeah, some oh. more conclusive scenes. They could have just compressed some things beforehand, um, which probably would have meant compressing some of the character work, which we did enjoy quite a bit. You know, yeah, um, hmm, yeah, it's kind of perplexing from a writing angle, um. I really like the Tuvok-Kess scenes. I liked... I even liked the Kess-Tanis scenes. And that, that's a rare thing. When you like a scene that's being sort of driven by a guest star. Yeah. Um, you know, so they, they did uh, a pretty decent job. Uh, Acting-wise... I mean, it's... Uh, I think
0: it's sure. I, I think it's Jennifer leanne's best outing so far,
1: yeah, I agree with that because she's given more shades she's given more uh interesting things to do um, you know it 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 might be too bad actually that they never went to a full- on love triangle thing,
0: yeah, well, if nothing else here the the youth of the actress and the character actually made sense and was a benefit to the character rather than a creepy disability because it's like rather than it just making us wonder what the hell she's doing in a relationship with neelix the kind of eager young enthusiasm for what she's experiencing actually makes sense
1: yeah well and it it makes her relationship make a little more sense um, you know she comes off as very sort of warm and loyal but maybe perhaps Open to being manipulated, yeah. Which which fits, you know. She has very good reason to feel warm and loyal toward Melix, um, but you know, like I don't know, certain women I've known in my life, you know, sometimes they get too attached to the initial person who I don't know brings them out of their shell or something, and then stick with it for much longer than they should, you know, out of some sense of obligation. I'm sure men do it too. Um, You know, I have some feeling of, uh, you know, like I can't betray this person even though we shouldn't be together anymore. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, you know, I wish they had done more of this stuff in the previous Neelix episodes. Um, Oh, well. But, yeah, Jennifer Lane was quite good. Uh, Tim Russ, this was a very good... Tim Russ show yeah Uh, I really like his Vulcan and I think his Vulcan is played to very good effect here Uh, I thought Kate Mulgrew had some really nice scenes uh, especially in the ready room and then the final sort of horror beat and then Gary Graham uh, can't really can't really knock anything he was doing no Um, yeah he was good you know it's it's He's going to come back as Saval and I wonder how many appearances. He has 11 appearances as Saval uh, well, Was he someone else, too? Not in Star Trek.
0: Huh. I seem to remember him being in more stuff, even in Star Trek. Hmm.
1: He's one of those guys who I think was in a lot of 80s stuff. You know? um, and possibly a fair amount of 90s stuff, too. I feel like he was in some show that nerds would watch. Uh, I can't, yeah, I can't really, uh, come up with it. He's just one of those guys, you know, he's a, that guy. Yeah. Um, but he's got a lot to offer. Uh, you know, I think he really played the role well here and you know, the script, I think he makes the role more interesting than the script does. Because as we were saying, the character never really explains his motives, Yeah. but the actor is interesting enough to kind of keep me going along.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Um, and even Ethan Phillips had some nice scenes. Uh, he's a good actor. <laughs> he's been given stuff to do more subtle work with, and that's really been to his benefit.
0: Yes, I, I agree fully.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So there's really no, no bum notes. Uh, production. We got to see two Vox quarters. We got some interesting horror effects. Right? Uh,
0: I like and I like the CGI. Um,
1: it was good. The only I didn't love the CGI on Suspiria, at the end. Yeah, that was weird. Purple worm I mean, thing. For a
0: non corporeal being, she looks like a worm. You know.
1: Yeah. What are the flagella? <laughs> on a non-corporeal being um you know that the caretaker array looked fine um we had some decent effects you know so nothing was mind-blowingly good um it was that effect that i'm thinking of in the later kes episode that was sort of really good yeah yeah Just, this was okay like i didn't love the sort of fiery aspect but i guess that could indicate some sort of energy from her as opposed to some actual physical particle um you know two box quarters look nice it was mainly a bottle show the only scene we got on the station was him at his desk with his view screen i think that's true
0: yeah yeah more of this st- more of the station and moral compo would have served the episode well i think
1: Well, so they only had the second. Yeah. Played by another Vulcan slash Romulan, Neuron. Yeah. You know, it was was solidly average to even slightly above average production-wise. And so, you know, what do you think?
0: I, I think it's a three. It's a solid three. It's a good episode. I certainly enjoyed watching it. I think they didn't do enough in a couple of directions to really push it to the four, but that's not it's not bad it's, I mean it's still a good show I'm not I'm not really complaining
1: yeah I think it could have been a four um, pretty easily with just a, you know two or three minutes repurposed for something else um, you know a five they would have had to go to some pretty wild places that there, there would have been a couple serious rewrites, you know. Yeah. Maybe 20, 20 minutes would be different, but you know, it it was it was close to a four. They there were just things missing. Yeah, yeah, just I think
0: And and I gotta say, this is uh, I re like I like this more on the rewatch than I remember um, liking it the first time around. So that that's a pleasant surprise. Um, but yeah, this is this. Jennifer Lianne's acting is really better than she's been either able or permitted to do given the stories they were giving her. And uh, the relationship with Tuvok is great. There's there's a lot to like here. It doesn't go far enough to, to make, you know, a top ten list, but still solid episode and given the Kazonrific balance of the season, certainly, you know,
1: good. <laughs> well, I mean if there's If a a season were filled with episodes just like this, um, it wouldn't be all that bad. Yeah, I wouldn't complain. You know, it it would be like good character drama with sci-fi that has lots of tantalizing bits but doesn't quite get there, you know. And you could have a whole show like that. In fact, I, I think it's you could probably make the claim that Deep Space Nine is somewhat like that, you know. Slightly weaker sci fi with really good character moments. Um, hmm. Yeah. Should they have kept Kess on the show? I mean, I guess we can revisit this topic when we get to Seven of Nine, but, um, you know, like, do you, do you feel like the character was sort of inherently flawed?
0: Well, I think they painted themselves into two different corners with the Kess character. Um, Having a character that by the end of your run is going to be elderly or possibly dead, assuming that uh, nine years is an average and not a statutory minimum. Um, That's an interesting problem, but not – and not one they really mind though. I mean obviously she wasn't around long enough, but I don't know. There was just no –
1: Well, she only comes back in the one episode, Fury. Yeah. which was interesting for that reason. You know, they showed her as older. And it, it was kind of ballsy. It was like, wow, hey, they're actually going there. You know, like, I'm impressed by this. Um, yeah, I agree. I, but I that, assume...
0: And once they start giving her psychic power, what, the scenes with Tuvok are great, but it's kind of the problem inherent of having a, you know, you know, dark phoenix on your ship. It... it, it Either she can start solving all your problems, or she can't, and neither of those is entirely narratively satisfying.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, either she can solve all the problems, or she, you know, alternatively, has to become the source of all your problems, or something. Right. Um. You know, I think they they penned her in with the Neelix relationship. Uh, yeah. A good season and a half yeah uh, so far anyway and i think it really would have been more interesting if like you got a like one and a half year old character show her going wild show her sleeping around the ship you know do you see what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah that would like an adolescent a person with adolescent experience and impulse control but with the sort of presumed capacities of an adult, that would, I'm just, yeah, that could be narratively interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it would be difficult not to go too far with it. You know, you don't want to make her like the ship slut or something, but uh, there, I think there would be a lot of interesting tension. Yeah. You know, it's like, and they actually eventually go there with Janeway and Seven of Nine you know, Janeway becomes the parent figure and Seven of Nine becomes sort of the adolescent chafing as, against
0: as, as long as, I don't, as long as we don't have another round of when you freed me from the Kazon, you told me that uh, yeah. humanity meant blah, blah, blah. Your actions are ugh. The, love the Seven <laughs> character. Jerry Ryan's a fantastic actress and they really did a lot with her character. But that conversation, they they, they could have just, I'm sure it had to be like, like in brackets in the script. Seven and the captain have a conversation about the About a contradictory action on Janeway's part. Next scene. Yeah. Um, But uh, I mean,
1: it's totally like a teenage girl sort of, you know, fighting against her parents. Right. Um, You know, you say I'm gonna be free, and yet you limit me. I hate you. (laughs) I mean, they should have had like seven of nine running to her quarters and slamming the door. (laughs) Well, you can't. You can't slam a pocket door.
0: Uh, There's something that makes the future less rosy. It's like, I can't slam doors anymore. How will I express my anger?
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess you have to throw like little bowls or something. Yeah. Hmm.
0: All right. So 6 out of 10 for, for Cold Fire. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's a, it's a it's a good writing. Uh, average does not mean inadequate here. Trek No,
1: it's right in the fat part of the bell curve. It's definitely a solid Star Trek show. It's yep. got interesting themes, which don't go far enough. It's not great, but the characters are solid. Uh, I was engaged by the show. Totally. Okay, well that'll do it then.
0: All right, have a good night, everyone.
1: Yep, live long and prosper.